Welcome to the CEO of Destiny podcast, where you will find the tools to fulfill the purpose of your generation and wildly succeed in the marketplace. And now your host, Andre J. Benjamin. Can you break down um, some peoples that could be in the form of teachers, coaches, mentors who were able to recognize some things and, and, and pull them out of you? Yeah, I, I learned a lot from everyone I was with. Absolutely. So, uh, but I remember one of my first jobs, um, I was there with like three of the top guns in San Francisco doing voiceover. And I was like this, and I actually was making noises <laughs> like, wow to forgetting that there's a microphone there. So, and then one of the women, you know, just said, stop it. My <laughs> thought, well, that, okay, well, I learned something there. I learned another one from, uh, from a fellow. I, I, uh, I, he came in and he was, um, and he went over to the Coke machine and got a Coke. And I thought, well, I'll get one too. So, uh, so I got one and years later, skip ahead, like 25 years. I said, remember when you, oh, when you got that Coke, he said, yeah, you got, got one too. I thought that was strange. I said, why? I said, well, I only had one line. You were the one during the whole spot. I said, no, it was a terrible, it was a terrible job. Cause I wanted to burp all the way through it, you know, after, after having that Coke. So that was, that was a, you know, a learning process. Um, I also, uh, you know, learned from, from the guy who did, who created the, uh, did the voice of gotten milk that whenever he would, um, uh, whenever he would be in the studio and people ask him what's going on, that he would then just say uh, he would talk about his gardening or talk about cooking, but he never talked about work. So I learned a lot from him about how to be humble and how to to uh, the you're not the job. You're you're the job is what you do, but then your life is really what they want to know about. Wow. So I thought that was really uh, impactful. And the other thing that was just mind blowing for me. And I feel so fortunate that, um, you know, I worked at, uh, I mean, during this process, I have a lot of control issues. So I worked at an advertising agency, you know, I was writing copy, I, wrote, I was a media buyer, I was in radio sales. I worked at a casting director's office. Um, and I also, uh, and then I also uh, worked at a recording studio for a while. And that was the studio that Paul Fries came in. And he's the voice of, a lot of the iconic characters that we hear on uh, in our um, in, car in um, commercials, you know. So, and he's also you know the voice of the of the haunted mansion in Disneyland. But he's one of the big three, and I wrote about him in my book. There's money where your mouth is, and he would just sit there and tell stories, and I would just eat him up. It was there are so many stories to tell, and I don't think I can tell most of them here, but. <laughs> <laughs> but there, it was just so impactful. But one of the, the main takeaway I got from him, uh, I said, well, how did you, how did you get into the business? And he said, uh, a lot of these, these iconic ones that created the cartoons and some of the, the sounds that we're, that we're dealing with now came from vaudeville. And uh, so he went into, he was in LA and he, he would tell people I can do a hundred voices and no one believed him because most people say they can do a hundred voices can't. Mm -hmm. So he then, um, uh, so then he found out about uh, a studio that's hiring, let's say a Western guy. 
so he would show up with his boots and his jeans uh, and show how he has it going. And they were like, uh, people were like, oh my God. I mean, like we have a Texan here and we're, that's what we're casting right now. How fortunate are we? And so then he'd find out another studio down the, down the street was doing an Italian, you know, so then he would dress the part and go and he would play Italian. And then he was doing all these different accents and, and dressing the part to, to get the, to get the job. So uh, after a while, he said it only took about two weeks and people realized that he really could do a hundred voices. And that's what made him uh, amazing. Um, anyway, so that's, I learned a lot from him, but what, how I used that in my career in the, uh, in the eighties and maybe even early nineties, uh, you could have multiple talent agents in the same city. They don't do that anymore. Everyone is exclusive because it was, they called it dialing for dollars. You know, you had to get on the phone first to, to, the, <laughs> yeah, to get to, to the actor, to beat the other agent there. Yes. So, um, when, uh, so, but I realized that of the three agents I had, they each saw me a different way. So I started dressing the part. So when I would go into one agency, I could take one of one or two or three, I had three small children, you know, into the agency, but I would wear pink. And maybe, maybe uh, at that time it was kind of obnoxious, you know, a little uh, sweater tied around your neck, you know, but I would dress the part, but it was okay to bring my kids because I would get mommy roles from that agent. So another one saw me as business. So I would, you know, wear more of the start shirt and, and structured clothing to, to go to that agent. And then another one saw me as quirky, which is really who I am. And so I could just wear whatever I wanted, you know, what the, com- the clothes that I felt most comfortable in. So that way, each of them saw me a specific way and they didn't have to dial for dollars. Now, when they made a decision to just have one agent, I had to teach the, the agent that I had those other qualities. So I think that most people try to say they do too much and don't prove what they do, how they do one thing first and then show how they can do the next and the next and the next. So they take this. So in, in other words, it's like taking the um, opportunity to, to prove yourself is really excellent in this one area and that opens up the opportunity for what's next because yeah. they saw that you were okay she did this really well what else can you do you come you show up you, you're, you're ready for I mean I love you you get into a lot of the professionalism of being organized and managing time because for people who are creatives that is a huge um, struggle is you you know you they there's that always the the, the starving artist is sometimes the starving artist because the starving artist is always procrastinating or you know perfectionism some of those things that they get into when you uh talked about some of these iconic voices and then your encounters with them i know even as a child i used to look for the net when i found out because I, I think they may be showed behind the scenes after seeing one of a, a cartoon or a movie or something and i found out that uh, mel blank did all these voices for and i said he did all those you know so as a child i'm baffled by how could he be this person and that person and that person and this person when did you even start to see that there was a behind the scenes because you even talked about the cartoons and how you know there's different people doing multiple voices right yeah i think that i really didn't put that together until i started directing you know i was um when the video game industry um, started blossoming beyond the floppy disk, you know, we went into the DVD, you know, before we got to the downloadable content and wherever we are now, that it was um, that people realized that you needed more um, 
you needed better acting skills, but you also needed to know, understand how to do the, use the microphone. So uh, in casting for the, for, to get a good rate, you needed to have someone typically for, to do like three voices. I was uh, directing one project and it had 120 voices. It was, um, it was uh, actually, this is a long time ago, but it was Mario's time machine and Mario would then go and, and take, you'd have to get, um, you have a sword and you had to, he, had, you know, he had to deliver it to Joan of Arc. And then when he was at Joan of Arc, he then needed to get, um, a piece of paper and he would take that to Chai Lun and who invented paper. And then from here, then he would get uh, a filament that he'd have to talk to, take to Thomas Edison, you know, that, so it was this whole historical thing, uh, but it had 120 characters. So I had to cast and direct that. So I couldn't, the budget didn't allow for 120 actors. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so I needed someone who could do a minimum of three. And if I got someone who could do 12, that really moved things along. Um, so uh, so that's when I realized, you know, how how you need to uh, have multiple characters and also how you don't bleed through like my own voice can't bleed yes. through. So it has to be very different. And that's why I have a layering process that I, that I do. And I teach so that, so that we get hidden and the voice that is our identity, you know, doesn't show up because we have these little telltale, you know, residuals that are there that people can tell it's the same voice, but the ones who do it really well, you don't know. And uh, I had to come up with a process because people would just say, do it. <laughs> well, that's great. Just do Be it better. On. Jump, go. Go, do it. I mean, that's the that's the funny thing. The direction they often give voice actors is, uh, okay, that's good. Uh, just do it again. <laughs> do it better. Do it slower. Do it faster. Hit that word. You know, emphasize that word. Yeah. But they never told you how to do how? it. And that's why my whole thing, maybe that's the educational side. Then I come from a long line of educators and librarians. Um, uh, That's... So what did you draw from from them to to be because I know you ended up and we'll talk about getting the school. I want to ask a couple questions about this video game. Um, so my mother in law was in a video game. Uh, it's funny she told us and we didn't believe her. Of course my daughter, my wife did, but I'm saying it's funny she was in um, the first Halo, and of mm. course she's done a bunch of other uh, you know voice over work, but because she is a, a director and writer and all these type of things, but. I, I'm fascinated by the fact that when you get on a project, so that when a director has a director project and you have to find that talent, is that a difficult process because it's needed so many voices and there is a special skill set that you need so many, you know, you need to get so many people who can do this. And how did you even uncover that you had a range of different voices for yourself? Because you talked about, yes, you get to layering and all that, but how did Elaine come to that? you know, revelation of, oh, wait a minute, I can do just like I did different characters when we would play in the room and do this for our parents, I can create different voices for multiple characters, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, they're not being seen visibly in that I'm behind now, you know, I'm on a video game now, or I'm on a cartoon. Or... Right, well, I realized that no matter how much you think about doing a character or think about performing, that's not where the process comes from. That just means you have a job. So I had to work on my brain getting out of the way. So, and I think that's a lot of what I see and what I 
teach people is that their brain is forefront, but, you know, unless it's like Abby normal and that's part of, you know, the, the focus of a show, <laughs> the, the brain, it's not that interesting to look at. And still what our job is to make people feel and take action. So how do I get to that? So I had to give my brain an assignment of here's all the business stuff that you need to do. That's plenty. And here's the creative stuff that now you have to trust. So rather than think about how to do that voice, create, create it with your body and using your, your muscle memory and your history and the shape of your body and your mouth and everything and a voice comes up. So if I, you know, I never really know what the voice is. I mean, I have a whole bunch of them that I do, but if I, all of a sudden I put the focus in my fingertips, I have a voice that comes out because I have focus on my fingertips, you know, just by doing that. But I didn't think about it. I just did it because the focus went there. If it's about my nose, it might be because I'm the nose. So now I will focus it there. Um, and then maybe it's just like my ears are really tight. It would look really high. Whoa. <laughs> you know, and I want a different laugh for every character. So I could, actually, as I would get booked in jobs, I would always ask what what made what made them decide what made you decide to, to hire me? And they would usually say there were a lot of really good people but I liked your laugh, or I liked that little pause you took, or I liked the surprises that you did, or something that was just really minor that's like the, the one or 2% more than somebody else. And that's what I realized that we're very persnickety. We're very, uh, we, we, once we hear something we like, we want more, we're very greedy. So, um, so that's why uh, we, you know, I mean, I, Robin Williams, of course, was a gold standard of, of how far you can go, Absolutely. you know, as a performer. So if we can, uh, so I always say, could, would he have gone further? Yeah, and that's a good reflective question. Okay, so drawing from educators and librarians, as you stated, what were some of the things you drew from? That some maybe some some tactics, some skills in your own process of now. I'm going to take what it is that I've been experiencing because you talked about early on when you were given the intro, you talked about how people started to look to you and say, okay, how did you do this? How did you get into, can you help me? And they asked for help. And then you, now there has to be a, a pedagogy. There has to be a, you know, an educational process in which you're going to take people through. What were some of the things you drew from coming from a line of educators? And can you elaborate what you mean when you say you come from educators and librarians? Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do us a favor. If this was useful in any way for you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Reviews will allow others to easily discover the podcast. If you'd like more information and to receive a free download, rediscover your destiny, go to ceoofdestiny.com. Thanks again and tune in next time.